The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thanks first and foremost for being an intentional spirit. Thank you for following this show and spreading the work of what we do, spreading the good word of what we're about. Have you been feeling disconnected and drained? Would you be seeking to be more energized and impassioned? Are you like some of us that you have to go through so many junk email get to the good email, similar to everyday life, where we can be bombarded with so much information and things to think about and process. How do we stay grounded and connected? I'm so thrilled to have on our show today the one and only, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Definitely in my life, the one and only Sandra Ingerman. She has been teaching shamanism, ideas of shamanism, soul retrieval, spirit journeys, empowerment, leadership. For over 30 years, Sandra, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I am really delighted that you have invited me to have this uh, wonderful chat with you today. Well, you know, as I've said prior to the show and in some of our marketing materials, not everybody is fortunate to get to have a window of time to personally thank someone to say, because of your book, I can't go as far as to say it's the reason I'm alive. However, I can go as far to say as it's the reason I'm able to live a thriving and vital life. Your book literally in 1997 transformed my life in a way that it brought me back to who I was all along but had lost that in all of of the stories around me. So I just want to highlight that to the audience members that have a connection with me to understand for me how how big this is. It just makes me cry, (laughs) makes me have the the moment of, wow, you know, because um, not everybody gets an opportunity to give a huge thank you to someone that because of your willingness to step out there, and your writing and your authorship about who you are, uh, that it just changes everything. So enough about, about mm-hmm. me. So uh, as I seek the Kleenexes before me and the rivers of uh, the Native American Indians run through me, how did you become an intentional spirit? What What part of your life did you know early on, did your parents recognize and say, Sandra Ingerman, you know, you're destined to do this, and we're so happy for you. How can we offer our support? <laughs> mm. Well, you know, I was really lucky in that it's possible my parents did not see who I was, but I had uh, loving, supportive spirits who didn't, uh, parents who didn't try to control me. And that was a real gift because I know that's not true in everybody's life. And I think that for myself, 
you know, I was just born this spiritual kid. Um, I, I just really always felt spirit around me. And I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and so the practice of shamanism, which I've been involved in for over 35 years now, definitely was not talked about. Spirituality was not talked about because I grew up in a neighborhood where most people were immigrants, and um, my parents grew up in the Depression. So everything was about um, how to survive. It wasn't about how to tap into spirit to have uh, a more empowered and joyful life because that wasn't where they were at. They were just trying to figure out, you know, how to make it and how to feed uh, their children. But I I just always felt the presence of spirit, and I'd come home from school, and I would sing to the trees literally for hours every afternoon and sing to the birds. And then at night, I loved to go outside and lay on the ground and sing to the moon. And so there was always something different about me. I fit in very well um, into school. I loved learning and had a lot of friends and liked sports. Um, But there was definitely... Uh, an aspect of a very deep, rich inner world that I came into this world with. And I remember sitting on my couch in Brooklyn. I don't know how old I was. I was probably about seven years old. And I just really got that the reason we were born on this great planet Earth was just to experience the joy of being alive. And I, I didn't see a lot of joy around me you know, in the neighborhood that I grew up in and and the culture that I grew up in. And I remember making a commitment that I was going to dedicate my life to helping people to find more joy um, in their life. And, you know, life continued for me, and I always had spiritual experiences. I had near-death experiences. I was hit by lightning when I was seven, and I drowned. In wow. Yeah, I wasn't I, aware of, of those two things. That's, yeah. Wow. <clears throat> and I, I drowned in Mexico and was given CPR uh, in my late teens. Um, I accidentally drove my car off a cliff in my 20s. So I always had spiritual experiences, and I was a child of the 60s, and so we were all searching alternative ways of living at that particular point in time. But I found myself going the opposite direction of what I wanted to manifest as that little girl on the couch. I really found in my teenage years, I really went into a very, very deep depression uh, where, you know, what all I saw was suffering around me, and, and I was really taking on, I didn't know how to let go and and um, let flow through me the suffering that I saw in the world and the people around me. And I, I was actually conscious that I was feeling burdened by other people's pain, but I had no training. I, I didn't know what to do with that. And so depression really became um, a big part of my life, and, you know, it became um, an initiatory part of my life where, you know, I was really able to come through it uh, through doing my spiritual work. And as you said, you might not be alive, maybe not literally by reading my book. I can honestly say I probably wouldn't be here if I wasn't introduced to the practice of shamanism because although I had such a spiritual inclination and spirit um, always guided me throughout my life, I I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't have practices. You know, it was just... Um, unbridled spirit that I always felt, but I didn't have practices that could really help me to give me a path of how to live um, uh, a good life and a joyful life and a healthy life. And so shamanism was really what brought me to that um, in 1980. And did you did you have an encounter with someone or, or did you have... Um I mean, how did this, how did the door uh, or window present itself to you? 
Well, it was it was actually by quote accident. You know how the universe yes. works and kind of <laughs> right. picks you up at the right time and puts you where you're supposed to be. I was going for my master's in counseling psychology through a private graduate school in California. And I was working 60 hours a week to put myself through school. I had two different jobs. And I was uh, taking 12 units a quarter. And so I I was really overwhelmed, you know, with uh, work and school. And somebody came into the office one day at my school and said that some man was coming out from Connecticut. Um, They didn't know what he was teaching, but he was teaching a weekend workshop uh, weekend workshop and that I could get easy units if I signed up for the workshop. And so, you know, I signed up for the workshop just to get easy units. I didn't have to read anything. I didn't have to write any papers. I just signed up. And it turned out to be a man by the name of Michael Harner, who is an anthropologist, and he taught a workshop on a spiritual practice called shamanic journeying uh, to help one find their own helping, compassionate spirits who can give them guidance in their life. And I just showed up for this workshop, and I didn't have a clue. I didn't even know what the title of the workshop was. I just showed up, and I did my performed my very first shamanic journey and met up with a helping spirit who just started chatting away with me and started telling me what was going on in my life and my next steps. And that was Halloween of 1980. And I've been practicing shamanism and teaching shamanism ever since and learning about the shamanic journey of how to be able to get guidance from the spiritual realms, the helping compassionate spirits, but also how to heal other people who are suffering, either physically or emotionally, and also how to heal the environment, too. Well, we we give great thanks to Michael Horner um, for his encounter with you. That has led to the rippling effect uh, across the world. I want to remind everyone you can go to SandraIngerman.com to access uh, her world travels, her teaching, her YouTube instruction. It, it's all there. Uh, there was a couple of things that, that you said, uh, Sandra, that really uh, struck a chord with me. One was um, that you two, you know, were depressed. I mean, often when people are up and coming or students of life, which I know we all are, but when people are so new to this kind of thing and they see someone like you or they see other people that are better leading in, in various capacities, uh, they, o- they only see the outcome. They don't see what's come out. <laughs> you know, they don't see where, where people have actually literally come through the, the ache and the ooh and the, and the breakthrough itself. And that being said, you refer to your depression and it's, it's such a, epidemic um, in our world today, it's, it's global, um, in that uh, people, they are depressed. It's pressed in them not to come out of, of who they are, you know, and because of the association from nature and right. uh, people spending time outdoors and connecting and on sacred retreats and away from all of the um, technology and things like that, um, more and more people are into that. It's pressed inside of me so much that I am depressed because I'm really a sacred warrior wanting to be born through my heart. So that's something I know that you are spot on about, and you talk about that so often, as uh, oddly enough, so do I, but more in relationship to you. I, I know that life is about coming from the perspective of the heart. I often say people are fascinated with the C word, the cancer word, mm. uh, because, you know, the C word is like, oh, my gosh, you know. And yet, for every person that dies of cancer, four people die of issues around the heart. Um, speak to us about about that part and what you've discovered. Absolutely. Depression is huge. And, 
In some ways, I was lucky. I mean, I had a really hard journey. I I went through a very, very dark time. And it's not like I never go through it. It's just that I have the tools uh, to manage when I do start to feel like I'm starting to get down um, and and depressed. But um, for me, I always knew that I wanted to follow a spiritual route to find how to work with my depression. So even though I'm a licensed psychotherapist and work a lot with trauma, I never went that route as far as healing myself. I was always called to spiritual work, which was why the practice of shamanism was so helpful for me because my helping spirit showed me step by step how to walk out of the darkness and to create a good life for myself and how to manage uh, the darkness. And so what I'd like to go back to, because this is so part of shamanism and its practice, is the connection with nature. And what's happened in our world is we've forgotten that we are actually nature. You know, we're not even connected to nature. We are nature. And we've forgotten that (laughs) because we live in a technological world. And, you know, I'm not complaining about having heat and um, refrigerators and stoves to cook on. I'm definitely not complaining about that. But what the technological world has done is it has separated us from nature. And because people live such stressed-out lives, um, especially in America, I mean, it's everywhere in the world, but Americans tend to work more, more than most people do in the world, uh, we we just don't take the time. We don't take the time to even a, a simple practice, such as if you're walking from the bus or the car to your place at work, to acknowledge a tree that you're passing and, and put your hand on a tree. You know, it, it doesn't even mean that we have to go out every day and spend hours in nature. It's just really acknowledging the connection with other nature beings that are so healing to us. And so our disconnection from nature, what it's done for us, if you think of a river, and, you know, I talk about the river of life, as we have disconnected from nature, we're walking against the river of life. And that is making people emotionally exhausted, which brings them to a place of deep depression um, and physically ill, not to honor our connection with being nature and part of its cycles and its rhythms where we're always walking against the rhythm instead of finding what is our natural rhythm that will bring us to a place of health and well-being, um, people are getting very ill. And so nature is our healing bomb. And I know it's my healing bomb, being able to go out and take a walk and and just connect with the earth beneath me and the trees around me and the air, and once you do start to connect with nature, um, you start to get signs. Like in shamanism, we call them omens, where you know you're walking and you're thinking about making a decision, and all of a sudden a little drizzle comes down for just a minute, letting you know that um, your your decision is is the right way to go. You're being blessed in shamanism when those little drizzles hit your head. You're being blessed, or all of a sudden you see a rainbow or you're walking and the sky is cloudy and all of a sudden you're thinking about something and the sun comes out. That's nature communicating with us. And what happens when we allow that communication to happen, whether we live in the city or whether we live in a rural area or whether we take a walk in the park, a magic starts to happen. We're not alone. That connection awakens within us. And as that awakens within us, healing starts starts to happen. And we are affected by the seasons and the cycles of the season, just like we see the changes in the earth where we live. And we're definitely um, affected deeply by the cycles of the moon. And so if people would take the time out to see 
when do you feel more introverted and when do you feel more extroverted? What cycles to the moon instead of looking at a moon book and, and the moon saying, well, at the full moon there's more power? Um, that's not true for everybody. Some people get very introverted during the full moon. What is it like for you, um, not following the status quo, but seeing yourself as a unique being and and starting to notice how you feel during different times of the moon and how you feel at the changes of uh, fall, winter, spring, and summer. And, you know, you can't call your boss up and say, well, the moon is in this phase and I don't feel like going to work today. But you can you can make simple changes in your life where you um, – um, start to create your social events and when you're out in the world for when you're more extrovert and giving yourself time to be more reflective and quiet. And so what I found is that when people do connect with nature, they start to throw their antidepressants away because um, something, their rhythm starts to change. Uh, you start to connect with the natural heartbeat of the earth. You start to connect with the natural rhythm of the earth, and all of a sudden you find yourself feeling better. And so I think that uh, we tend to overcomplicate healing in our culture, and we're always looking for these complex methods for healing. And some of the very simple practices that the indigenous people taught many for, for tens of thousands of years um, such as um, being connected with nature. There's um, uh, a Native American tribe called the Salish Indians who are in the northwest coast, and they have a beautiful word called scalatitude. And what scalatitude means is when people in nature are in perfect harmony, then magic and beauty are everywhere. And so connecting with nature and realizing that we are nature helps us to start to cultivate a rich and fertile inner landscape within us, and that's where joy comes. And when you look at indigenous people and when you look at people around the world who live in simple cultures but in extreme poverty, you see a light, a joy coming out of their eyes that you really don't see in the Western world, and we don't know how to get there. And it's because from a very early age, they're taught that it's a fertile and rich inner world that creates joy, and it's not what's going on around you in the outer world. And we get so focused on our successes and what we can collect in the outer world that we forget that we're actually a garden. And if you see yourself as a garden, how is the texture of your soil? Um, are you nurturing your inner soil? Are you taking care of your own inner world? And what seeds are you planting with the words that you use throughout the day and the thoughts um, that you have throughout the day because words and thoughts are seeds and they grow into plants. And so in indigenous cultures from a very, very early age, people are taught to um, only use words and focus on thoughts that are going to create inner beauty, which ends up creating outer beauty in the world too. I love I love how you put that so so clearly and it, it it's so true and I'm I'm always fascinating you know being somewhat of a life advocate when I hear people say oh you know I guess I ought to start thinking about you know they're talking about mother earth and you know maybe I need to get more involved and think about mother earth and it's more about well be gracious and humble that mother earth thought about you <laughs> because you are <laughs> You were born from Mother Earth, and hello, uh, one day you will be returning uh, back to her in uh, whatever window of time that is. I think the the other thing you know, that you teach so much with the um, the power animals, the totems, and things like that. I mean, for me, in elaborating on the magic that that you talk about, 
What I'm so grateful for is that once you do fundamentally go, I am nature, you know, and we're all working together. And so I'm open to the rainbows and the signs and the energy and the medicine I get. The other element that I know you feature so much in your books and I benefit from, from the life experience and practicing this work is when I am wanting to connect with, with other worlds. In other words, uh, one of my dearest friends four years ago died, uh, young from cancer. And on the second day that he had passed, I said, send me the birds. Just send me birds, you know? And so I'm driving up to his mother's property, and the whole sky around the property and around the roof line is birds and birds and birds and birds. And I went, thank you. <laughs> and and she just made, his mother just uh, died this past week, and it's like, send the birds and double the amount, because, you know, now energetically the two of you are dancing somewhere, at least on some kind of energy realm. And here comes the birds. I mean, I love that bigger, broader, more expansive way of living um, other than in a box, you know, in a very physical form. There's so much more for us and for people to know their their totems and their power animals and 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 that kind of, of energy. Absolutely, yeah. Shamanism is the very first practice that was practiced by humankind. We know that the practice dates back at least 100,000 years, if not more. So everybody listening um, to this show, um, because it, it, shamanism has been a cross-cultural practice, it was practiced everywhere around the world, you probably have relatives who practice shamanism at some point in time. And there are many different levels to shamanism, but one of the practices in shamanism is what we call the shamanic journey. And as you said, here in our culture, we only focus on the tangible, what we can see, hear, feel, taste, and smell here in the tangible world. And for most of us who are so overwhelmed um, living in cities, we even don't pay attention to what we see here feel, taste, and smell, you know, our senses are really deadened because um, there's so many visuals around us and artificial flavors and smells around us, and we're always listening to our devices. And so our sensory nature, you know, has deadened a lot, which is another cause of um, feeling depressed, too, because to feel alive, we really need to wake up our senses. But there are also, um, for tens of thousands of years, it's been taught that there's this invisible, intangible realm around us. The Australian Aborigines call it the dream time. The Celtic people call it the other world. Um, Some people think of it as a parallel universe, non-ordinary reality, the invisible realms. And in those invisible realms, there are what we call helping and compassionate spirits. And they are beings who once had a life on this earth and who have crossed over and have volunteered themselves to be of service um, to people and other living beings in the earth themselves. And what I like to teach, because, you know, we're really looking at the evolution of consciousness right now in the year 2016, uh, where we've stepped into, is that we're spirits too. And so I like to think of ourselves as having that spiritual power, our own inner knowing, just like the helping compassionate spirits do. But we're in a body, and we're so involved in the game of life that we oftentimes can't see around us. Even though we are spiritual beings, we get lost in the game of life and the roles that we're playing. Where the helping spirits, they are 
um, they don't have a body. They don't have an ego. And so it's like being at a ball game. They're sitting in the bleachers, and they're looking down at us from a very different perspective. And they can see, oh, if you go left, um, there's going to be an obstacle in your path. And if you move right, you know, you've got um, a free path to follow. And so they just have a very different perspective, and they really love us, and they really want to help us. And so in learning how to connect with these helping spirits or what some people call totem animals, and in shamanism we call power animals, and we all have them, whether we're aware of them or not, they volunteered themselves to us when we were born, they uh, can show us the way, they can light our way and hold us in love and provide healing help when we call on them for that. And so, you know, it's just really a practice that is so ancient and there's such a resurgence today. The resurgence is amazing. It's mind-boggling how many people in the Western world are all of a sudden waking up to the power of shamanism and seeking out books and teachings on shamanism. And it's because the teachings that come around being able to get connected to these helping spirits who give us guidance and provide healing help for us. And these very simple practices that that shamanism teaches of connecting yourself back again with the natural world and how to align our thoughts and words to create the vision we want for ourselves in the world. Um, shamans believe that we're dreaming this world into being all the time with our thoughts and words. And if you go to an indigenous culture right now and say, what do Westerners need to do? The answer you're going to get is change your dream. And where it's understood in shamanism that we're always dreaming our world into being with the thoughts and words and what we imagine and daydream about um, during the day. So there's these very simple practices of um, working with helping spirits, uh, being in gratitude, gratitude practices, which I know you teach, and learning how to align your thoughts and words to create the vision we want for ourselves in the world, um, these are very easy practices that we can integrate into our life, and people are really seeking them out right now. And, you know, I still love teaching people how to connect with their power animals and teachers and guardian spirits. Um, I never get tired of hearing people in their beginning journeys because there's such an excitement around meeting these compassionate spirits who are right there, filled with joy, filled with humor. Uh, they do, you know, hold us in compassion when we're suffering, but they also get us to laugh at ourselves. And, <laughs> and I love to hear all the healing stories that come when people first make contact with their own helping and compassionate spirits. There is no doubt about it. Um, all of you, we have the good pleasure today to listen to the wisdom of Sandra Ingerman. I want to thank all of you for your ongoing contributions to Unity Online Radio. If you go to unity.fm, you can read the bio of Sandra and also access all the information, not only her website, but of her 10 books. She is an award-winning author. We will be right back after this short break. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. When you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting. No more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. 
We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zender every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at theintentionalspirit at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. And if you're just coming on, I'm talking to the award-winning author of 10 books regarding shamanism, the practice of shamanism. You can go to unity.fm for more information about her and to access her website and listen to her YouTube and just so much wisdom. She has audio and all kind of visual aids to support you. Um, Sandra, one of the things that, that I know you feel so passionately about, and I know I do, we're kind of inspiring a lot of people today to get really excited and get really curious about shamanism. Up until I, I launched my book last year, I always kept the fact of my practicing shamanism very low-key. Um, and the reason that I did that is because I wasn't wanting to get a business card and attract uh, a lot of curiosity seekers um, that would, like, they wanted to do, like, the next new, you know, new thing. Um, and um, I applaud you about the humility of your work, and I know my teacher was that way, too, that that if it's the highest and best for an individual's path to become a practicing shaman, it will find him or her in an organic and naturally uh, natural way it's not something to be forced or manipulated or coerced that would be one thing the other thing um that i wanted you to um to share is in the way that you know people will take one course online and then they start giving out a business card saying that they are a shaman um it it dilutes uh, the ancient wisdom since the beginning of time in that it's such a responsibility to hold that space. As you said, often when people use the word shaman over and over again, and it's more of an ego thing, they have the uh, sometimes the outcome of losing their gifts, if there were any, you know, that were organic. Well, it's actually seen in shamanism that it's a destiny to become a shaman. And and it's not something in a shamanic culture that anybody would seek out because in that destiny process, the initiations, and I have to say, you know, if I know I, I can't and I know I wouldn't, I know my passion is to be of service, but, you know, I go and look at myself and go, what did I choose in this lifetime? I mean, the, in, the initiations, they're endless. They never, ever stop. 
because the shaman is called a wounded healer. And so it's not an easy path, and people think it's an easy path. Oh, if I put shaman on my business card, I'm going to get all these clients and everything. And all of a sudden, their life melts down, and, and life becomes one trauma after another because they put themselves out there in the universe, and the universe says, oh, yeah, you think you're a shaman? Well, go through this initiation and see if you can make it through. And you would never call yourself a shaman. I'm constantly being asked. You can only imagine in 35 years of teaching, people say, are you a shaman? And I go, no, I practice shamanism. I'm not a shaman. Because in indigenous cultures, it is truly seen to be bad luck to call yourself a shaman. Um, your community calls you a shaman. Uh, if you do really good healing work, um, community members will say, oh, you should go, go see that shaman who lives over there. But when you go and knock on the door of that shaman's house and, and you say to them, are you a shaman, they'll say no. Or if you say that to a medicine man or a medicine woman, they'll say no. Uh, nobody will admit to it because it's not a title that you take for yourself. And it is a destiny where the spirits do guide you and not always in a pleasant way because they're trying to dissolve your ego and sculpt you into a being to be in service to the planet in a particular way and it's not always pleasant. So what I tell people is that basically what we're all doing is we're practicing shamanism um, and that you would never want to take any workshop, even if it was for a few years and call yourself a shaman. It just doesn't work like that. It, it really is seen as bad luck and, and, um, and really can create uh, very difficult initiations in your life to call yourself a shaman, and it's not true. But we're practicing shamanism, and I had the amazing opportunity to meet um, a, a, a shaman from um, Siberia. He was uh, from the Uchi tradition uh, that's kind of on the border of Siberia and Japan, and his name was Grandfather Duvan. He's um, deceased now. I met him back in 1997. And he was initiated into shamanism when he was 17 years old, and I met him when he was in his 90s, and he still called himself a baby in the work. And so I try to, in my workshops, give people a perspective. Number one, people come into workshops and they think they're going to become expert journeyers in just a few hours, which isn't true. Shamanism is a life path. And then there's the issue that we have of people advertising themselves as shamans, which is really sad because it does dilute the practice. It really dilutes the practice. And I do believe that shamanism has um, so much that it can offer the world right now, which is why we're, we're seeing the resurgence, is shamanism has so many keys to help to turn around what the imbalance and the disharmony that we're seeing in the world right now, but it's not going to happen if we dilute it. And I also have a real issue with um, people teaching shamanism and creating kind of a factory of healers and what I call cookie-cutter shamanism, where students go out and they imitate what they learned from a teacher because shamanism is actually a practice of direct revelation where it's your helping spirits who do the healing work and every client is uh, treated in a very unique fashion. And if you look around the world, you will never see two shamans working in the same way. But what we see in our culture is because direct revelation um, and finding your own power is not always supported in our culture is you find people going <clears throat> to workshops and copying how um, the teacher did some healing work or, <clears throat> excuse me, called in the helping spirits. And, and so what you see is more imitation than really dropping into real spirit. And it takes years to really be able to drop in in a way where you can be a hollow bone, bone and a vessel for the helping spirits. And so uh, calling oneself a shaman is, is one of the sad things 
it is really sad of what we're seeing in this culture um, because then it becomes a marketing tool instead of holding the power of the spiritual potential to heal that shamanism really holds. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. And now I have an MP3 file that I can send out from time to time. And right. Just, uh, and that uh, great, great reminder that that is, is so so true and so so evident. Um, as we look at um, the work that you're that you're doing, what are some of the hmm, everyday processes that people can do um, that uh, we've addressed nature. Uh, I know on your website you list uh, different people that are legitimate in training and and those kind of things for for people that are feeling called to go further, but also recognizing that if it's a destiny, they will be found. (laughs) That's for sure. so with our, our remaining um, few minutes on our show, uh, let's, uh, let's hear what Spirit's guiding you to, to tell us. Well, there are two aspects to shamanism. Well, there are more than that, but two that are the main aspects that I'd just like to briefly talk about. There is the healing aspect where you can go to a shamanic practitioner and actually get a healing if you're in need of one. And in shamanism, the way that we see emotional and physical illness is looking for what might be a spiritual imbalance. And so uh, there might be a loss of power where somebody is feeling chronic depression or chronic suicidal tendencies or chronic physical illness where a shamanic practitioner needs to search out a volunteer helping spirit to come back into one's life to re-empower them. Or there might be a spiritual blockage in the body that is causing an emotional or physical illness and the shamanic practitioner needs to extract that from the body. Or one of my passions, uh, which I'm known for, is soul retrieval, where in all shamanic cultures around the world it's seen that illness is due to the loss of the soul, that when we suffer a traumatic experience, um, any kind of abuse or um, an accident, surgery, war, um, grief, um, death of a you know loved one. Um, there are endless things that could happen to us, where a part of our soul, our essence, leaves our body in order to survive the experience. It's a survival mechanism. It's how we survive pain. Um, is a part of ourselves goes away so that we don't get the full impact of the pain. And in shamanism, that's called soul loss. And uh, the symptoms of soul loss would be feeling dissociated or dealing with, um, again, depression, suicidal tendencies, PTSD, um, immune deficiency problems, shock. Um, You don't feel the same since an event happened and not in a good way you can go see somebody for a soul retrieval. So that's part of shamanism is shamanic healing. But as I shared earlier, shamanism is more than a series of methods and techniques. Shamanism is a way of life. And so there are practices that we can do every day of waking up and giving thanks to for our life to the elements, earth, air, water, fire, and the sun that give us life, Um, learning how to align our thoughts and words and holding our vision of what we want for ourselves and what we want for the world, connecting with nature and um, projecting light, seeing the light and the strength in people instead of seeing people as suffering. These are just part of daily practices that we can bring into our life and learning how to release the core limiting beliefs and attitudes that block us from really being able to tap into our own creative and spiritual power. And so there are we have so much ability to create change in our own life and on the planet right now and finding 
spiritual practices to work with our ways that we can do that and have more power than we can even imagine. And so in your your newest book, correct, your newest one is Walking in Light, The Everyday yes. Empowerment of Shamanic Life. I thought so. I was so thrilled to get that uh, a few months ago in, in the mail. And so you're you're sharing um, with with people and and asking us to to walk in the light and to be very mindful of our thoughts and words of of how not only are we holding one another in passing um, and the labeling and you know all the various things, but but also to be the lighthouse rather than always jumping in with people in the rocky boat. Is am I assimilating mm. or kind of hearing what what you're 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 saying in the way that that's so important is to to remain consistently dedicated to walking in light absolutely and i wrote that book really putting together my life's work and my roadmap of how i pulled myself out of depression and how i helped others do the same and how i helped um people heal from a variety of emotional and physical illnesses what are the daily practices that we can bring into our life that put us um, on a positive path towards healing. And so, you know, I really brought together what I wrote in my other books to really give a, a roadmap for people to work with and to work with the practices that they're called to do that all have been used for tens of thousands of years. Well, I tell you, it, it's just been, um, as I said so clearly, such a such a privilege to have you on on the show. Um, what is the the one parting um, statement or um, mm. words of wisdom that you would like to to leave with with us today? Well, you know, I think I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that we are going through a big transition in the world right now. And it is because we um, have not always been living a life of harmony and respecting nature, and we've broken the laws of nature. And that's having an impact on us on um, all the terrorism that we're seeing and all the environmental and climactic changes that we're seeing. So I want to be realistic and, and say, yes, we are going through a tough transition right now, and we are being called to action in whatever way that we're calling to us. But I really want people to be inspired, and all of my work, all of my writing, all my monthly columns are always to don't get lost in the outcome of what we're seeing right now. Focus on the spiritual practices that you can do that radiates more light into the world because for tens of thousands of years, it's been taught everywhere around the world that we do have the possibility to change the current dream and the reality that we're living in by adding simple practices into our daily life. And so I really want to inspire people to be realistic about what's happening for yourself personally and what's happening in the world, but to understand and to be inspired and to maintain a state of hope that we have unlimited possibilities to create change right now and that the spiritual practices that we do make a huge difference in changing the collective that we live in and changing the environment. So I just really want to encourage people, if it's not shamanism, find a practice that you feel drawn to and hold your focus. Hold your focus on the vision of what you want to see for yourself and for the planet. And when you hold that vision, you are contributing to um, healing because every change in consciousness that we make ripples throughout the entire web of life. And so every little shift that you make brings healing to the world. And so I just really want to inspire people to 
find spiritual practices that you could work with. If you're feeling overwhelmed with what can I do, what you can do is do your spiritual work. Sandra Ingerman, thank you so much for your wisdom, uh, for all that you're offering the planet. I truly experienced the namaste energy with you. Mm-hmm. It's been a pleasure. It's been a blessing. And I truly join in that dream reality that our paths will cross one day, if not real soon. Thank you for being on our show today. And thank you, Temple. Thank you for the brilliant work that you're doing. I just love it. And thank you so much. Thank you, Sandra. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehays.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. There is a story about a man who died and found himself at the gates of heaven. The gatekeeper offered to give him a tour. First he took him to hell. The man saw tables laden with a sumptuous banquet. This can't be hell, he said. Look at all this wonderful food. But as he looked closer, he noticed that all the people were weak and emaciated. They'd been given three-foot-long forks, and they couldn't get the food to their mouths. Then the gatekeeper took the man to heaven. Tables there were also piled high with a variety of wonderful foods. The people had also been given three-foot-long forks, but looked happy and well-fed, because they were feeding each other. The point of this story is obvious. Life is more enjoyable when we help one another. Changing your thoughts and actions can result in positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Ever notice that there might be something not quite right? but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, Looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose? Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio.
God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.